Well, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we are thankful for all the moms here and around the world. And for the last couple of years, I've read something that uh, I think captures a lot more about Mother's Day. I'm going to read it again this year because we know that for many, Mother's Day is a wonderful day, but for others, it can be a difficult day. So I want to read this. Uh, I think this captures our hearts for all the different ways uh, Mother's Day affects people. To those who gave birth this year for the, to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, Fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment. We walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge and lament your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better off for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Happy Mother's Day. All right, well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11, we will be taking a look at John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27 this morning as we continue our sermon series looking at the I Am sayings. Of Jesus in the Gospel of John. If you're using one of the Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you, it's on page 1142. Hear now God's holy, true, and life giving word. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you 
that you would gather us here together and that you would also give us your word that we may know you and that we may know the glory of your son and his finished work on the cross and that we may know the powerful work of your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, would you work in us to shape us and to mold us? Would you empower us to make disciples? And would you use this time now to equip us to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations? For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A couple years ago, I was talking to a friend who told me about an interesting situation where his daughter had asked his wife a tough question. And what happened was this young girl, about five or six years old, was talking to her mom and the subject of something dying came up. And as the conversation continued, this young girl stopped and said, wait, mom, are you going to die? And this young mother said, yes, honey, I'm, I'm going to die one day. And this little girl just completely broke down. She's crying and screaming and hugging her mom and saying, don't die, don't die. And this mom doesn't really know what to do in the moment. She's just kind of panicking. And finally, she gets this little girl calmed down. And the little girl says, wait, mom, am I going to die? And the mom prepared for what was about to happen and said, yes, honey, you'll die too. And of course, again, she she just completely breaks down crying and screaming and and being really upset. And so uh, this young mother decides, I better call my husband, see if he can come home. So she calls him and he comes home from work and uh, to, to kind of help with this situation. Because this was a pretty intense moment. And as God's providence would have it, he had been attending a Sunday school class on the shorter catechism. And he was able to actually flip to the catechism questions and answers we read just a little bit ago that explain what the Bible teaches about what happens when we die and that we'll be resurrected from the grave. And it's just by simply reading these catechism answers, when the young girl heard what the Bible teaches, she said, oh, okay. And then she ran off and played. So amazing moment. But the reality is, you know, death is something that when you really think about it, and the more you think about it, it it's a scary thing. Every culture all around the world has some sort of narrative or idea or religious belief about what happens when we die. And death is a real thing that every one of us will face one day. And what's so powerful about what Jesus says here is it directly speaks into that fear of death. You know, we've been moving through these I am sayings in the Gospel of John. And he, Jesus has said all these different things to us that are so powerful and they're so life-changing. He says, I'm the bread of life. He's, I says, he says, I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. He has said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And this morning, in the midst of this death of his friend, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're going to look and see why. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we do not have to fear death. At all. Isn't that amazing? So let's take a look. We're going to talk about that, that we don't have to fear death because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and what that means. We'll talk about three things. We'll talk about the power of death and then physical resurrection. And then we'll also talk about spiritual life. Okay, those three things, if you're making an outline, the power of death, physical resurrection, 
and spiritual life. Take a look at verses 17 through 20. Let's talk about the power of death. Get a little context of what's happening when Jesus makes this statement. 17 says, now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come uh, to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Well, what we want to realize here is that apart from the grace of God, we are under the power of death. Okay? We're all born under the power of death. And apart from the grace of God, we are under the power of death in two ways, physically and spiritually. We'll talk about both of those today because what's in, in view here is how we're under the power of death physically. Here's what happened. If you know the story or if you want to read in John 11, if you've never read this story, basically, this is the story of Jesus' friend Lazarus who dies and then Jesus raises him from the dead. But what happens is, Lazarus, who's a good friend of Jesus, he's actually good friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're brothers and sisters, and Lazarus is the younger brother. And what happens is Lazarus gets sick, and the sisters send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, but Jesus waits where he is and intentionally does not go to where Lazarus is so that Lazarus will die because he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead and teach something that changes our lives. So what's happening here is Lazarus has now died and the sisters are very sad and people are coming to console them, coming from all the way from Jerusalem even, to spend time with them, to console them. And then this is the context into which Jesus comes when he ends up saying that he is the resurrection and the life. It's in the context of physical death. And it's really important that we recognize that this is when he says this, in the context of his good friend just dying. Because the reality is, you know, we all know everybody is going to die. And a lot of times people are living like they don't think they're going to die, especially younger people tend to live like death is not something that will really come to them. Um, People have all sorts of ideas. Sometimes a lot of people in our culture think that, well, when you die, you just kind of don't exist anymore. I mean, there's all sorts of things that people try to do to deal with the fact that death is real and everybody has to face it. And, you know, it's interesting, we we usually only think about death when someone close to us has died or when we're at a funeral even. Or, in my case, every time I talk to my grandmother who's in her 90s, uh, she keeps asking me if I will speak at her funeral. And her memory is, is struggling. And so we have the same conversation every time. She'll say, where do you live again? And I'll say, I live in Florida, Grandma. And she'll say, oh, that's right. And what, what do you do? And I say, I'm a, well, I'm a pastor, Grandma. And she'll say, oh, that's right, but not a Lutheran. <laughs> She's a Lutheran. And I said, no, Graham, I'm not a Lutheran. I'm a Presbyterian. And she said, okay. But you are going to speak at my funeral, right? And I say, yeah, Grandma. I'll speak at your funeral. You know, she's thinking about it because she knows she's close. It's very real to her. Tim Keller talks about how a lot of times when people are at a funeral and they're, it's making them think about death, uh, they try to get rid of that feeling by saying, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just grieving, I'm upset, I'm not thinking clearly. 
And he says, actually, no, when you're at a funeral and you're facing death, you're looking at death face to face, you are thinking more clearly than ever before. That death is real. 100% of people die. And, and it makes, it's, it's very important then that we recognize that this is the context in which Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So let's talk about what he's talking about here. First, I want to talk about physical resurrection. Look at 21 through 25. Verses 21 through 25, I'm talking about physical resurrection. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And this is something that uh, is, is in the Bible. It's very clear. And she's right. Okay. And Lazarus is going to rise again on the last day. Uh, she is right. And that is what Jesus is talking about. Although, although he's also talking about the fact that moments after this, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But the Bible does talk about this resurrection, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says, uh, Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And it's talking about this judgment at the end of time when everybody who's ever lived is raised from the dead and they will be judged. And God's people who believed in him will be raised to everlasting life and those who rejected God in their life will be raised to everlasting separation from him or everlasting death. So she either you know knows that from the Old Testament or she has been listening to Jesus because in his teaching ministry, Jesus talked about the resurrection on the last day and said that he would be the one to raise up God's people on the last day. Listen to John six thirty nine and following it says, and this is the, this is Jesus speaking. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should not, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So, so she may have just been thinking about what Jesus has been telling his disciples. And she's, she's hearing that too. And realizing when Jesus says, your brother will rise again, she's thinking, yes, Jesus, because you said that you will raise us up on the last day. What she doesn't realize is when he, what he's also about to do is raise Lazarus from the dead to reveal his power over death. And that's something that we want to recognize is, is what he's saying here. Look again, 24, she's saying, I know he's going to rise in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus' response to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live or he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, if you just read that at face value, it's a little confusing, right? He's saying, if you believe in me, you're going to die, but you'll live again. And if you live and believe in me, you'll never die. And it's like, well, which is it, Jesus? Are we going to not die or are we going to die? And that's why we have to understand he's talking about two different things here. Okay, two different things. Scholars like D.A. Carson point this out. If you if you see it, you want to make the, the right connections. When he says, I am the resurrection, that's connected to that other statement. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And when he says, and the life, or I am the life, that's connected to that other part of this verse where it says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Okay, so he's talking about two separate things. I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet he shall live, and I am the life. 
everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Okay, so we've got those separated into two statements. And now we want to look at the, the first part. What, is it, what does it mean, resurrection? And he's talking about the physical resurrection. He's talking about the fact that at the end of time, when he returns, we really will be physically raised from the dead. You could even put the word physically in there. Whoever believes in me, though he dies physically, he will live again physically. Okay, this is the reality. This is what the Bible teaches, that we will be raised to be fully alive again in our bodies. Okay, we will die, but then we will be raised again in the resurrection. Look again at these uh, catechism question and answers. This, by the way, is the, the question and answers that, uh, that my friend read to his daughter that settled her down. But listen how glorious this is. This is, you know, the, you take what the Bible teaches about these things, and this is what the catechism answer is, a summary. Okay, it says, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? The souls of believers are at their death, made perfect in holiness, and do immediately pass into glory. And their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. So one of the things you have to realize is the reason we don't have to be afraid of death, if we are a believer, what happens when we die is we just immediately, our soul goes right to be with the Lord. We're in the presence of God immediately. And it's heaven. Everything is wonderful. And we see that all these things are true. We see it with our own eyes. And we're made perfect. And we're in the presence of God. And then our bodies, still united to Christ, it says, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. In fact, this is the reason that we, as Christians, we, we bury our dead. Because all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God's people are buried in the ground because we expect that we will be raised from the dead. So that's what one of the reasons that we don't have to fear death, but also we don't have to fear death because after death, at one point, after being in heaven, we will be raised to life. Look at question 38. It says, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment. So that's you know forgiven of all of our sin uh, and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. And what that's referring to is that we are, we are made fully new. Our bodies are completely made new. We have these amazing bodies where everything works perfectly, feels perfectly. I mean, it's so hard to imagine. I mean, one of the things that happens is when, when Jesus returns, you know, he's going to make all things new, establish the kingdom of God in full. And so the world itself is fully restored. And it's an amazing place. We were we were talking about this at the officers' retreat this weekend. This is part of our vision. The return of Christ and the making of all things new. This is on our website under our vision and mission. It says, think of the things that make our world a hard and dark place. What comes to mind? A short list might include death, injustice, poverty, racism, oppression, war, hatred, disease, and self-righteousness. Can you imagine a world where these causes of misery have been removed? There would be life instead of death. Justice instead of injustice, prosperity instead of poverty, unity instead of racism, freedom instead of oppression, peace instead of war, health instead of disease, and humility instead of self-righteousness. It sounds too good to be true, but that is what the Bible talks about. If you think about in Revelation, it talks about the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and, and heaven being established on earth. That's where we'll live, but not only will we live in a new heavens and a new earth where everything is perfect all the time, but our bodies, perfectly 
restored, resurrected bodies. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 52. He says, or 15, 52. He says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. He says, uh, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? In other words, once we have been raised physically at the, on the last day, we can never die again. We can never get sick again. We can never get hurt again. We can never be sad again. And this is life-changing in, in at least two ways because it, it, can, it can alter the way we view death. Where, number one, we, we should have no fear in death. I mean, think about that. If we die, you're immediate, if you're a believer, this is, you're immediately in the presence of God. And then you wait until heaven, which is really a holding tank, comes down with Jesus. And then we're all raised from the dead. And you go from being your soul being in in the presence of God to your soul being reunited with your body and still in the presence of God, except your body is made perfect. Think, okay, so those of you that live with physical pain. It will be completely gone. You will feel better than you've ever felt forever. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the one who guarantees that he will raise us up on the last day. And we will live in bodies that cannot die with our God for all eternity. That shows his power over death physically. But he also addresses his power over death spiritually. In this passage. So let's talk about the spiritual life. The, the Verse 26 now. Remember we connected. I am the life with this phrase. Everyone who lives and believes in me. Shall never die. What does he mean? He's talking about spiritually. And this by the way is what gives us such certainty. That we will be physically raised. When we see what he's referring to. As far as being spiritually alive. Is concerned. So again, if it, just like you could put physically in the first part of that verse, we can put spiritually here in verse 26. Everyone who lives spiritually or is alive spiritually and believes in me shall never die spiritually. That's what he's talking about. And this is really amazing because what he's saying is we believe in Jesus because we were first brought to life spiritually. And then we believed, and if we've been brought to life spiritually and then believe, we will never die. We will never experience spiritual death. This is far more important than physical death, because physical death can only last a certain amount of time. But spiritual death would be eternal. If someone is remains spiritually dead, then they will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And so we, we have to understand how much security this gives us if you believe. This is saying that if you believe, it is because first, you were brought to life by God. And then you heard the gospel and believed. And so if you believe, you know you have been brought to life. And if you've been brought to life spiritually, you will never die spiritually. You will never face hell. You will never face any type of punishment for your sin or spiritual death. Why? Because of the cross. This drives us right to the cross to recognize what was Jesus doing on the cross. 
Because he was not simply experiencing physical torture and physical death. Yes, he was indeed experiencing those things, but he was also taking our spiritual death onto him. In fact, one person once said that the the physical torture, the physical uh, pain that Jesus endured on the cross is really like a mosquito bite compared to the spiritual death and suffering that he experienced on our behalf. When God poured out his wrath for our sin onto him. This is why we, in the Apostles' Creed, we talk about him descending into hell. What we're really referring to there is hell really descending onto him. God's punishment for our sin came to him and he endured that and he suffered that spiritual pain and death. And that's what the good news is all about is the good news that Jesus is willing, was willing to take our spiritual death so that we could be alive and guaranteed life eternal, both physically and spiritually. Jesus took our spiritual death onto himself so we could have life. And he says that, listen, in John 5, 21 and following and 5, 24, I think I have in the screen, but he says, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. And in verse 24, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, look, think about the order of what he's saying here. What he's saying here in John 5 is whoever hears and believes doesn't suddenly get eternal life. The reason he heard and believed is because he already has eternal life. He's already been given life. He's already passed from death to life. You see what I'm saying? And this is amazing. This is, this is saying that we have nothing to do with our coming to Christ, other than we receive him by faith, but something happened before that that enables us to believe. We're brought to life. We were spiritually dead, hostile to God, rejecting of God, not knowing God was good, not believing God was good. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then, praise the Lord, verse 4, he says, but God... Being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's talking about spiritually. That if you believe, it's because first you were spiritually resurrected. You were brought forth from being spiritually dead so that you could hear the gospel and believe it. Paul also talks about this in Romans 6. About, he's talking about those who have brought, been brought from death to life. And so when Jesus says, I am the life, he is saying that he is the one who gives us the spiritual life we need so that when we hear the gospel, we can believe it and be saved by grace through faith and know that we will never die. One author says that by identifying himself to Martha as the resurrection and the life in the present, Jesus seeks to shift Martha's focus on an abstract belief in the resurrection on the last day to a personal trust in the one who provides it in the here and now. In other words, when he, when he does this, he, he calls her to believe in him now, and then he, gives, uh, he raises Lazarus from the dead, not only to show his power over physical death, but also to be uh, a profound illustration of what has happened spiritually before somebody believes the gospel and is saved. I mean, if you want, if your Bible's still open, look at chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. That's the, the story of where Lazarus is raised from the dead. And just think about this. This is amazing. This is a phenomenal illustration of what happens spiritually 
before somebody believes. It's also a sweet foretaste of the last day. It does both at once. That's why he refers to both when he calls himself the resurrection and the life. So Lazarus is dead. I mean, he is dead, dead, dead. Dead as a doornail, dead. Laying in this tomb. It's been four days. In verse 39, he wants the tomb opened and Martha's like, whoa, Jesus. This is going to be gross. Right? She tries to uh, warn him about this smell. And then here it is. Here's the picture. Here's what happened to you. You're Lazarus laying dead in your sins, dead to God, dead to the truth, right? There's nothing you can do. You're laying there stone dead spiritually. And here's what happens. When Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And this dead man, it says that the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, get him out of that stuff. That's a paraphrase. Now think about this. What an illustration, right? When did he ask her if she believed? Before, right? So he he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he says, do you believe this? And what does she say? She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And then just moments later, he gives her the perfect illustration of how she came to believe something in her. No, the grace of God. And he does the same thing for you. If you believe it is because he said your name come out. And he made you alive. With Christ. And once you were spiritually alive, somebody shared the gospel with you and you believed. And so, therefore, now you can be certain that you will never die spiritually. You will die physically. But Jesus has the power both over physical death, He's going to raise us from the dead physically, and He's already given you, He's already shown you that He has power over spiritual death by raising you to spiritual life if you are a believer. And if you're not a believer and you put your faith in Christ, it simply means that God rose you from the spiritual death you were in before you did it. And if you do put your faith in him, you will know. I mean, think about it, the order again. Whoever believes in me or whoever lives, whoever is alive and believes will never die. And so those who have put their faith in Christ can know for certain that we will never, ever die. A couple things on this. Number one, we, we have to see that God gets every single little drop of glory in our salvation. Because we were dead as a doornail spiritually to him. And he said, your name, come out. And number two, we just if you have faith, this should give you deep security that alleviates any fear of death. Because you wouldn't believe unless you'd first been made alive. And if you've been made alive, you're never going to die spiritually. You'll die physically, but then you'll be immediately with the Lord until the Lord comes down, raises everybody from the dead. We get our bodies back and we live in the new heavens and new earth for the rest of eternity in perfect harmony with everyone in the new heavens and new earth and God himself. He is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins. But because of your mercy and the great love with which you loved us, you made us alive together with Christ. We would have never turned to you. We would have never bowed to you. We would have never sought you. 
And in our spiritual death, you came to us and called us out of our tombs. Would you help us to give you all the glory and honor for our salvation and be very humbled by the fact that you are the one who saves, not us. And would you give us joy, so much joy in our fearlessness when it comes to death that we would seek to bring the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations, that we would make disciples for your glory and our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.